Hi, uh, welcome everyone to this podcast um, by EAST. Uh, we are welcoming today uh, Dr. Vince Gracias, who is currently the Senior Vice Chancellor at Rutgers University. And uh, we've invited him today to talk um, on the podcast specifically about careers other than uh, Chief of Acute Care Surgery uh, in terms of future leadership. Uh, Dr. Gracias is, as I mentioned uh, here, and he will address uh, roughly about five questions if we have some time, and these questions will explore other avenues in leadership besides acute care surgery chief. Dr. Gracias, welcome. Uh, thank you very much, Greg. It's, uh, it's absolutely a pleasure to be here, um, uh, uh, certainly participating in these East podcasts. Um, has always been uh, an interest of mine. Uh, many of the topics that have been addressed in the past uh, certainly have held my attention. So, uh, very much appreciate your invitation, and uh, I'm looking forward to the to the discussion. Perfect. Uh, we we know um, that you have certainly been a chief in the past of acute care surgery. You've moved on to do some other things, and uh, we felt that your perspective would be helpful here. We all know that there's a multitude of missions uh, within acute care surgery. There's a broad breadth of uh, what the acute care surgeon can do for health systems, and that's why we thought that it would be helpful for uh, us to gain your perspective uh, with health systems in New Jersey specifically from your experience. Uh, question one for you. Um, should all acute care surgeons interested in higher leadership roles, responsibilities, that is, uh, strive to be chief? Why or why not? Uh, well, that's a great question. I, I may um, actually change it a little bit. It's not really a matter of striving to be chief, which which I think is probably important, although as we start our careers, I don't think anybody kind of looks at the leadership roles and says, I'm going to be that guy, although maybe some people do. Um, I think it's important to, to ask yourself whether or not you want a leadership role. That That probably is much more important in some ways and of course, the, the traditional apex of, of that answer is is being the chief. So I think it's probably more important for acute care surgeons this day um, who are interested in, in expanding their careers and in, in doing more, and, and, and to, to clearly articulate that they want to take on more responsibility and, and, and decide for themselves what are the things that that really drive satisfaction into their job. If that um, first decision is that they do want to accept more leadership responsibility, they, they want to do more or add more to the administrative side of what happens in our practices, uh, then the decision can be made with mentoring um, with some of your colleagues about what that direction might be. Um, I would say that, you know, the chief role is is very important. It, it carries an enormous amount of broad breadth and perspective to what it takes to actually run um, a trauma program and a surgical program, uh, but it's not the only option. Uh, it is not the only place uh, or the only role where you can acquire skills that, that really prepare you for, um, for running uh, a practice, for running a division, I guess the message would be, sure, it's great uh, if if you can achieve uh, a chief role. Um, I wouldn't discount that. Uh, but if you can't, um, and I think that's what today's dialogue is really about, um, there's an enormous uh, opportunities out there as acute care surgeons uh, for all sorts of leadership roles in the health system. Um, should the chief role not be one of the ones that are within your target, 
Um, there's a, an enormous amount of options out there that I think it's very important for everybody to keep in mind. The, your life's not over just because you didn't make chief. That might be a better way to, to title this talk. Okay. Um, so you, you mentioned a little bit about the role, uh, as you see it, uh, as a chief of acute care surgery. Um, what question I will ask you next is, as that chief role is, in fact, an important role within the division and certainly within the Department of Surgery. How do you see the ACS chief role uh, applying to the classic pillars of emergent general surgery, trauma, surgical critical care um, for academic missions within current health systems today? Uh, and I ask that question because, as you mentioned, the chief uh, specifically administratively and as a business role is the leader within the division. How do you see that leadership applying to the certain pillars within acute care surgery? Well, and I think that's a very complex question, Greg, but it, it, it is important. As as um, as future trauma surgeons, acute care surgeons, really take a look at the opportunities they have in front of them, um, we seem to have all aligned sort of traditionally into um, one of the pieces of the pie that make up an acute care surgeon. So some of us line up to the the chief side, some line up to the ECS side, some line up to the critical care side, um, and and it seems that's sort of a traditional approach. You, you got to kind of pick your 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 leg of the stool, so to speak, within the division and try to go up those ranks, um, if you allow me that liberty to say. Uh, and I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to look at it. Um, what I see the chief being able to do, especially as he's mentoring um, other other faculty members, especially those who aren't going to be chief, um, the whole idea behind um, looking and helping people achieve their full potential may not necessarily need to just be dictated by what's the opportunity left in a division for critical care or what's the opportunity left in, you know, one of the pillars as you describe them, the classic pillars of EGS, trauma, and surgical critical care. Um, that may not necessarily be the best way to look at opportunity. Um, and, and we certainly see that at, at the chief um, level of a division. Um, there's an, an, as healthcare changes and starts expressing more team dynamic, uh, the need to educate as interprofessionals, as um, as a system that truly supports the patient. Uh, there's a lot more that um, acute care surgeons can be doing within the health system that I honestly don't think is necessarily mired in in trying to champion one of the traditional pillars. Um, there's huge movements um, in health system right now, design and in the interaction between the faculty and uh, and the hospitals of certain metrics or or alignments between the hospital and what the hospital has to produce and the faculty practice and what we have to produce. Um, that I, I do think, if you look outside of just the traditional pillars of, am, am I going to be an emergency surgeon or am I going to be a critical care? Uh, doc, if, if you look more in terms of what are the skills that I've been acquiring as as an acute care surgeon, systems development, interprofessional approaches, uh, protocol development, best practices, um, we've been driving uh, trauma certainly has been a leader in, in the overall quality movement, uh, and that's essential um, as part of, of, of improving healthcare. 
Um, when, you, when you look at those opportunities outside of the traditional um, pillars that acute care surgery is made out of, um, I think a lot of a, a lot of options open up for people. Um, so I so, think so you, out of the traditional mode is important. I'm sorry to interrupt. That. So as you say that, um, you, you you think the ACS chiefs uh, in the country now uh, share that vision with you or share that uh, opinion with you that you know traditionally this, for example, you know this surgeon in the division is an EGS person or a trauma person or an SCC person. Do you think chiefs around the country are seeing opportunities outside that that um, you know locking into a classic pillar? And and, and do you see that um, chiefs uh, look for opportunities outside the divisions of acute care surgery outside those pillars? It sounds to me as if you do that uh, within your current system. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's hard a difficult to speak question. All, it's very difficult to speak for all the chiefs out there, Greg. I think many do see um, opportunity within their faculty that isn't necessarily um, defined by, you know, is this my big T guy, my big trauma guy, or my big yeah. I, as we used to say, you know. Um, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's more than that. The, the, the chiefs have a certain amount of work that has to be produced by the division. Yeah. Um, that work keeps all of our practices going day to day. And so the chiefs have that in their in their radar and, and, and that work has to be delivered. So they're looking at the faculty to deliver that work. Um and there's certain uh members of the faculty that, that show leadership skills and a predilection to, to, to classic pillars and, and that work is assigned. But what you're asking is uh and I think you're asking it subtly, um our chiefs starting to realize that maybe that's not the only way to nursingly look at a guy that this is or the gal, that this is my EGS faculty member and this is my critical care faculty member and this is my trauma faculty member. Um, I, I think, at least from the dialogue um, that we're starting to hear and have at directors' levels and, at, at, and certainly at, at, at leadership levels, I do think it's changing. The, the opportunities are starting to line up, um, especially in the United States, um, for surgeons to, to, to really take on these roles um, that are that are not necessarily mired in the surgical skill sets that we produce, but are much more along the management line roles or leadership roles to be able to define processes within the health system. Those opportunities are are becoming more and more um, open, uh, and and I think chiefs, especially acute care surgery chiefs, trauma chiefs, are starting to see that having our faculty be a part of those dialogues that aren't necessarily um, aligned to our surgical skill but are aligned to our management skills, um, once those chiefs see those opportunities, they understand that it's it's much better to have one of the trauma surgeons or acute care surgeons uh, in those roles than, 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 than just about anybody else. But So I do think chiefs are starting to see that. Um, are starting to look at their faculty as more than just what do they do uh, or what's their predilection of, from a skill set point of view and assigning that based on surgery. And they're looking at them of what else can these faculty members provide. And I think that's where the opportunity is. As more Absolutely. people uh, uh, go and get business degrees or they, they explore more options, um, I think chiefs are starting to look at their faculty as more than just, you know, what do they do in the OR. And that's important for surgeons. 
Excellent, excellent. The the uh, two things that you kind of pointed on, uh, I guess, brings brings me to one of the other questions. Uh, what do what do you see if 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 we're looking at other leadership roles and and for example the chief role may not be the epitome of leadership uh, for everyone what future forms or types of of leadership or missions for acute care surgeons will exist outside the chief role um, maybe different than historical roles as you mentioned chief of trauma or or, or chief of SCC. What are some of these missions or these leadership roles for acute care surgeons if, if we're not striving or, or we're not uh, any longer interpreting the chief as the epitome leadership role as as healthcare systems expand and, and provide all these new and exciting uh, leadership uh, uh, roles that you mentioned? You know, how how um, how are these uh, future leadership roles applicable to current health systems in the U.S.? You touched a little bit about about that or on that a couple minutes ago. What do you see acute care surgeons doing if they're not chiefs in, in the health system? And I think that's a very valid um, uh, question. You know, and and I, I, it's not that the chief isn't the epitome. I, I think that's sort of a, a different sidebar uh, question. The real issue is can I be additive? Can I be influential? Can I help grow my program where I am? Without necessarily being chief, and and the answer is yes. The, the opportunities we've we've mentioned some on the administrative side, but um, remember, and, and I think it's very difficult for trainees to understand this: that, that the trauma center is attached to a huge university. Um, and it took a long time for me to even realize that. And I know it sounds funny because we all kind of go into our ORs, we go into our trauma bays. Um, we do our work in the hospital, and we don't realize that we're attached to this enormous organization that does much more. Um, you know, there are opportunities for acute care surgeons in, in global health, and we certainly have done an enormous amount at Rutgers to, to build on that platform and how well acute care surgeons are actually situated to learn uh, the epidemiology of disease, to uh, train themselves in, in some of the, the nuances of population health and the sciences that that, that requires, uh, and, and they can become globalists. Um, there's opportunity within the hospital confines that aren't necessarily surgical as people redefine practice patterns and how to work as teams and how to work as interprofessionals that trauma uh, surgeons have done naturally for a long time but that now health systems need, um, you know, champions and, and partners to be able to push that model forward. Um, those are opportunities within the health system uh, management side. There's opportunities in the university. Um, uh, there, there's, uh, there, there's opportunities everywhere. It's a matter of just starting to look at ourselves as not just trauma or not just emergency surgery, um, and, and, and really take a look at the, the breadth of what an acute care surgeon touches. And you'll see that there's enormous opportunities for everyone that, that isn't necessarily selected to be chief, um, that you can have very good, long-standing careers uh, that help fortify not just your division, but your school uh, and ultimately the university. It's, it's the ability to look up and see this university around you, see this enormous health system around you. Um, trauma surgeons are some of the first people that are, uh, have been able to do that because of our perspective for trauma centers and for trauma system growth. That has produced acute care surgeons that can more readily see 
those systems around us, and uh, we can have enormous influence on those systems. Uh, it doesn't just necessarily have to be uh, related to a trauma protocol or emergency surgery protocol. There's opportunity around us. People just have to see it. Yes, uh, I mean, and as you as you talk about trauma uh, for the listeners, um, ways that uh, are exciting opportunities or things that are exciting opportunities. For example, injury prevention focused as a population health background, trauma registries as big data acquisition opportunities, PI as metrics and quality and value schemes, pre-hospital, for example, another example, community care and simulation. So it's it's uh, it's exciting, you know, just uh, as as you focus on some of these pillars, but more more applying these pillars um, uh, as as the as the chiefs of acute care surgery have these uh, professionals uh, providers that have certain skills within their division. It's an exciting time because I think the acute care surgeon may offer health systems, not just divisions, uh, a valuable background uh, for some of these applicable uh, practices uh, in, in current health systems. That brings me brings me to another question. You mentioned population health. And uh, as, as preventative health and, and, if you will, outpatient care or outpatient health and, and population-based health care becomes a priority in the U.S., uh, you see more policy moving in that direction as well. How, how do emergent trained or, or practicing emergent surgeons, you know, everything acute, trauma, EGS, surgical critical care, we've been trained to think acutely and uh, to treat acute disease. How, how do we um, stay viable, stay important as preventative health becomes a pri- priority, and how do we apply ourselves in leadership um, uh, with more focus on population health, outpatient health, preventative health? Well, I'll, I'll answer that in just one second. And, 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 but I want to go back to, to, to something that you, you, you just brought up, which is probably helps answer this question, Greg. Um, you know, you as part of the Rutgers um, um, training and, 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 and what we've been doing at the university, uh, you've mentioned some of it yourself. You know, we don't just look at the trauma registry as something that can help us. It's, it's a way of training on big data. Um, we don't just look at uh, the how we run a trauma center and the outreach that's associated with that trauma center, but we explore how to uh, bring simulation into the community environment from an education point of view, and, and you've mentioned some of those. That is the principle uh, behind uh, success in, in what we're talking about. It's about being able to see the skills that you've acquired kind of a wax-on, wax-off, uh, karate kid uh, uh, type of an approach where you kind of, we don't really know all the, you know, why are we doing all of this PI? Why are we doing all of this database? Why are we doing, and yet when you start thinking in terms of performance improvement and we have an internal dialogue and you realize that PI is a metric-driven approach to care, suddenly that process can be applied to five different things, not just the PI of a trauma patient. Yes. So that's that's really key. Uh, as as we move into preventive health and ambulatory care, you know, trauma surgeons have been running the continuum of care for a long time. We just never realized how unique it was for us to actually worry about our patients when we discharge them into the rest of the system. Um, when we discharge them to SNF or we discharge them to rehab, we're just beginning. Uh, and actually, trauma is again leading. Acute care surgery is again leading. To appreciate, we're, you know, as we start wondering how long do we maintain our DV, uh, DVT prophylactic or 
Um, how long should I be following up someone with TBI? Uh, we started thinking in terms of that, uh, that continuum, the environment out there. Um, as healthcare changes from acute process to much more of an ambulatory process, those acute care surgeons that can see um, those linkages uh, are going to become extremely influential in the future. Um, so those, let me uh, let me understand ahead. this. You're you're saying acute care surgeons uh, are going to start to have to think about a comprehensive care of patients. How is that going to be possible in this day and age when you have acute care surgeons training and and uh, having you know how it is. You're in the operating room and there's a gunshot wound to the chest. Your adrenaline is going. How do you take these types of surgeons and make them surgeons that start to think about comprehensive care and not acute care? Is that a difficult thing to do? Well, it's it's difficult to get um, early uh, acute care surgeons out from the procedural mentality. But as they start looking at outcome, they start seeing the breadth of, of what we really deliver as an acute care paradigm. Um, all the work that gets done through the ICUs, that gets done um, through discharge, that that perspective starts to change. It starts to enhance. It starts to broaden. The ability to take a look at acute care surgery and and um, and and start thinking in terms of how can the acute care surgeon support a system? Uh, and suddenly, you know, we're running wound centers and hyperbaric uh, tanks and, and moving into the ambulatory sphere and, and looking more at how to prevent um, issues related to, to injury and so on. Um, we've been in that space for a long time. We, trauma has been in the preventive medicine sphere for decades. We yeah. just don't talk about it in those terms. Just like now we start talking about registry as big data. We start talking in terms of outreach as communication education and patient, you know, uh, simulation education. Now we have been in the preventive uh, uh, medicine game for years as trauma surgeons. You know, how yes. do we get the, the seatbelt law, helmet law? I could go on and on, but we don't need to. That's the, that is where medicine as a whole is heading. We have been there for decades. The question now is how do we take the skills that we've learned? How do you teach an entire population of a country to wear its seatbelt? Um, all of those things that drama has been impacting against for the last few decades, people now in the healthcare system are, are literally screaming for that expertise. Now, if we continue to te teach ourselves that we are just doing trauma prevention, then you don't see the opportunity. But if you see yourself as having been working in preventive medicine for 10 years, we start looking at that applicability and we start championing those of us in acute care surgery that have written about how do you teach people to wear a seatbelt? What are the implications, um, you know, at the level of when you get your driver's license? What do you educate in your school? What do you educate in your hospital? After acute events like motor vehicle crashes, it's a matter of just taking the, the the more simplified view that we have as acute, so nothing simple in our life, that we have been doing preventive medicine, unwrap it from around the uh, trauma silo that we've been viewing it, and realize that we are experts in preventive medicine, in the ability to change how a population behaves. Um, now, that's just a brand new 
possibility for all acute care surgeons that we've come up with just from these discussions. It's, it's not about turning our back on how we were trained. It's essential that we become expert in it. But then yes. unwrap with the trauma part of it and look at the opportunity that you have in the health system and even at the university to be able to take those skills and make those better. That, that's really what we're talking about. It's a matter of changing your perspective on the skills we've already acquired as acute care surgeons, and it's up to the chiefs and the leaderships to give these faculty members um, the vision to see those opportunities. So you don't have to walk around wondering who winds up wearing the Burger King crown. That's not the important part. The important part is making sure that we have a faculty that understands all these skills that they're acquiring, preventive medicine, outreach, ICU team dynamics, interprofessionalism, and I could go on and on, and even business management, where more and more people are going into MHAs and MBAs. Um, we understand that piece. The, the, so our roles it, are to, to get people to understand the different perspectives. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Um, is is you mentioned silos? So if 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 we have and you know I'm I'm three years out uh, now. Uh, I meet uh, new fellows in interviewing for uh, residencies, and um, if if the young fellow and the young professional are still uh, stuck in a um, broad uh, classic ACS model and they are thinking in terms of uh, a, a pillar orientation, if you will, EGS, SEC, trauma. What would you say to the young fellow that's coming out of fellowship, that's entering into their profession, how this limits their ability to be a leader if they think um, that they're a trauma-focused person for the rest of their life, they're, they're a surgical critical care-focused person for the rest of their life, or they're emergent general surgery? Does this limit them, uh, or does this strengthen a particular isolated focus? What's your, what's your, what's your recommendations for young fellows coming out that still may be um, looking at the chief as a classic overseer of acute care surgery and overseer of acute care surgery within these three pillars. Does it strengthen well, I, I, their I, ability or limit yeah. their ability? Um, it's a very valid question. I I, I I wouldn't parse it in half, though. I don't, I don't think it's limiting. Um, for the young fellows that are coming out, for, for all of us, but, but for the, the the young faculty coming out, you know, first three to five years, um, you're just getting your feet wet. You're starting to realize what a practice is and all the stuff that that takes. Um, I don't think it's limiting to look at yourself at, as what are the skill sets that I best bring to the table as a surgeon. Am I a trauma guy, an emergency surgery guy or gal? Um, or, or an intensivist. I mean, that, that's sort of the internal dialogue that we all have as we train and we move forward. Um, and, 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 and I don't think it's limiting per se because it does give you a grounding. What I would say is don't stop there. If you do stop in just trying to define yourself as a particular pillar, to your point, Greg, then that can be limiting. I don't think I considering yourself a big T or, or, or an intensivist or whatever is, is limiting. I think that, that that's essential in some ways because we all go through that process. But if we stop there, if we say, if we take a look at, you know, you finish your training, um, you're looking at the practice that you trained with, and while there's not a lot of room at the top for a trauma person and there's not a lot of room at the top for an EGS person, so I guess I'm going to try to, 
fit in there as an in, as an intensivist so that I can stay because I like all the rest of the stuff that this position entails. And that's limiting. Sitting there, you know, picking a job because the only opening in this group is because, you know, to be a big I or big T or whatever. That, then you start to limit yourself within that traditional silo. And, and, and that, that I think needs to be discussed. That's where it can become a problem or it can become limiting if we only think of ourselves as a, the trauma surgeon or the intensivist. I think doing that early, okay. But then as, as you look at the process and you look at the potential opportunities in front of you, then, then de-silo. Start thinking in terms of I'm a systems expert. I'm a performance improvement expert. I'm a interprofessional team expert. I'm, I, I know how to do outreach with physicians and, and, and patients, and I know how to teach a community. Uh, start thinking in those terms that are not sort of a, a traditional chief roles, but are more broadly based on the skills that we've acquired over training, and then start asking yourself and your mentors to help you prepare for those particular roles. How do I become an expert in preventive medicine in this community and help roll out not just seatbelt laws, but, you know, diet advice to schools or, you know, so on and so forth? Yes. That linkage isn't that far off. It's, we've just uncovered it in, in, you know, the dialogue we had this morning. So uh, that's really what we're talking about. It's about appreciating that we are unique as acute care surgeons, that we have been leading the pack from a quality point of view, from a performance improvement point of view, from a team medicine point of view, from an interprofessional point of view, um, and then trying to appreciate that those skills are just as important as being able to operate on that gunshot wound that you mentioned earlier. All those are necessary in healthcare these days to give the patient the best care that they deserve. Um, And that has opened up a lot of opportunity for us. That makes sense. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, does that? I was just saying. I just closed. I just said, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, it makes sense. And and um, you know, we all know uh, that you were chief once. Uh, you are no longer chief. In your mind, what was the biggest type of service as a chief, and what's been the biggest type of service now that you're not a chief? Um, biggest service. You know, that's an interesting question. I, I think um, I think being a chief was just probably the, the most fun you can possibly have because you're plugged into both sides. Um, you're understanding faculty and their needs. You're understanding administration and how it links to the hospital and to the school. Um, and, and, and it's it's um, it's probably the most gratifying um, part about being a chief is being able to link all the different pieces together and affording uh, uh, faculty and, and fellows and students uh, uh, an opportunity to advance themselves and to become better. That, that's, that's huge. Um, you know, as you move into dean roles and chancellor roles, and it all sounds whatever, um, it's isolating. It, it becomes more about – it's, it's gratifying and it's, you know, and it's wonderful and all that kind of stuff, but much more isolating – um, and, 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 and much more directing a, a more of an institutional vision. Being a chief is you're impacting on both sides of how of, 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 of delivery, and and um, and, and that's a, that's a unique place to be. It's a hard job. Um, yes. 
in, in one that I think people should strive for, but, but it's not the only job out there that makes us um, uh, great doctors. And, and I think today's conversation points out all the different opportunity that, that, that's out there. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, I'll, I'll end there. Needless to say, I think acute care surgery, uh, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be an acute care surgeon. It's an exciting opportunity to and end. It's an exciting uh, opportunity that we have to serve in many different ways. Um, if you were to say uh, one take-home message for all of the listeners today, you know, a 30,000-foot view, if you will, what would be that message? If, if I were to give every, anyone in acute care surgery a message, I, I would say to really try to look at opportunity in a non-traditional fashion. There is so much opportunity out there for acute care surgeons that may not be necessarily um, uh, visualized through that, as we've been saying, through that traditional prism of trauma or EGS or critical care. If, if we change that and you look at it from a system-wide point of view, huge opportunities uh, for acute care surgeons. And we just have to change our perspective a little bit um, away from those traditional pillars and much more into the system that's developing around us. Excellent. Thank you. Before I uh, make some closing comments, uh, I want to see if uh, Dr. Bradley Dennis is still on the line, if he would have any comments to make with uh, or, or, or any questions that he may have for Dr. Uh, Gracias before we close. Yeah, thanks, Gregory. I appreciate it. Yeah, Dr. Gracias, I guess really um, kind of one question that I was thinking about is, is if, I've, if I'm putting myself in the position of somebody who's just starting out and looking for some of those non-traditional, you know, paths or roles, I guess, is, is how do you how do you sort of get started? What would sort of be your first step if you were encouraging them to, you know, on how to do that? Um, I think the first steps are to, to have conversations with, with people either within the division that have been there five to ten years um, the, the, because they, they, they understand some of the opportunity that, that may exist within the system itself that isn't necessarily the traditional path to, to leadership, the chief role that we, we've been speaking about. Um, I think it probably just as importantly is to have conversations with um, colleagues and individuals who are outside of, of the surgical division and so on, uh, even crossing the barrier of going and talking to CMO or CNO um, on the on the health system side, and opening up our 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 perceptions and our dialogues early on. I think early um, surgeons um, crossing and having those discussions with people that aren't necessarily in our division or in our department, um, I think is eye opening, and that that may be something that I think uh, I would suggest that people do early. Go you know, go talk to them. What I always tell my fellows is, you know, maybe you should go up to the MICU and have a conversation with someone when when they're not calling you about someone dying right in front of you. You suddenly start to realize these are pretty smart individuals. You know, doing it at 2 o'clock in the morning in the middle of the night, you're not so uh, positioned to appreciate all the skills around you. Doing it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon without an emergency, um, you get to realize the MICU has a lot of good physicians and, and nurses and they're trying to help. Maybe the same thing holds true here, uh, Brad. Uh, start having conversations outside of the division or even the surgical department early with, with uh, folks that are, are trying to do 
um, less traditional approaches to medicine and to their careers and, and, and spend some time um, having those conversations. Great. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Thank you. Podcast, um, Dr. Dennis, thank you uh, for your uh, question and uh, helping us organize this podcast. Dr. Gracias, of course, thank you for your time. Uh, I know you're busy, and I appreciate uh, you speaking to the up-and-coming acute care surgeons and fellows that are entering our profession and, uh, and our career. Uh, on behalf of the East Career Development Section, uh, I would like to thank you all again. Thank you for the listeners to take the time to listen to the podcast. Uh, again, uh, my name is Gregory Peck. Uh, I am an acute care surgeon, and I hope you have enjoyed the program, uh, thinking about some of those non-traditional leadership roles outside uh, being being a chief. When you find a moment of time, please visit the East website at www.east.org for more East Career podcasts and other valuable information uh, that people have uh, contributed their time and uh, have have really uh, served to answer some of the questions that you may have as young fellows entering the profession. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone.